This is your gateway to the latest trends in the golf, bringing you exclusive insights and thought-provoking discussions. Welcome to AB Majlis, an Arabian business podcast. You can find our weekly episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And for more exclusive content, subscribe to us on arabianbusiness.com. My name is Matthew Amlo, the Editor-in-Chief of Arabian Business, and today I'm delighted to be joined by a veritable titan of the fitness industry. He's a best-selling author, athlete, and entrepreneur, the founder of the famous Spartan Obstacle Race brand. Thank you, Joe DeSena, for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. All right, Joe. So look, pretty simple question to start with, I think, and this is more for myself than anyone else. What led you to make so many people, myself included, to suffer on obstacle courses around the world? I love torturing people. I grew up in Queens in the 1970s. If you saw the movie Goodfellas, it is literally ground zero for where we grew up. Very Italian neighborhood, lots of people smoking cigarettes back then, just very unhealthy lifestyles. My mom's mom was sick. My grandmother was sick. She had cancer. My mom walks into a health food store, probably the only one on the East Coast at the time. There were no yoga journals. There were no health food stores. Whole foods didn't exist. And she learns from a yogi who had just come in from India that there's another way. There's a different way to live. She buys into it hook, line, and sinker. This particular yogi launches a foot race in Queens, New York that still exists today called the Transcendence Run. It's a 3,100-mile run around a one-mile loop. So people do it for 50 or 60 days. Very few people participate every year. But the idea was your mind is so much more powerful than we give it credit for. Your body is so much more powerful than we allow it to be. And so I saw that at a young age. I wanted no part of it. And I watched my mother do what I do. I watched my mother torture people and have them meditate for hours on end and do yoga and eventually tell a story of how she changed their life. Fast forward, I'm working on Wall Street, traditional career, like anybody hoping to get ahead. And I found myself unhealthy. I found myself not loving life. And so I went back to the very thing I was pushing away. I started doing yoga. I started eating healthy. I started running stairs in my building. And before you know it, I felt alive. And I found adventure racing, which was a derivative of what I described my mom's yogi established in Queens. And I started running and kayaking and biking and it felt so good. And I started convincing people that I was doing business with to do the same. And then they talked about how it was transformative. And then new potential clients started doing stuff with me. And I was building bonds for life with these people because when you do hard things with others, you build tremendous relationships. And I found that, oh my God, Everybody else in this industry I was in on Wall Street was taking people drinking, going to do golf, doing the traditional dinners, not nearly as powerful as what I was doing. So I, I found myself doing it 24 hours. I mean, I just loved it. And I thought 24 years ago, around 2000, I said, I wonder if I could do this as a business or a side hobby while I sit on the trading desk. And that was the, the death race. First race very few people know about was Expedition BVI. And it was a 350-mile event we put on in the British Virgin Islands that included sailing, swimming, kayaking, running, hiking, coastaleering. I lost a person. Wow. I lost a person for eight days. He drifted to an uninhabited island, Little Tobago. Sports Illustrated did a story on him. True survivor. And he survived on water bottles that had drifted from the race to the same island and crabs 
We found him with the Coast Guard and Richard Branson eight days later. And clearly, I should have taken notes and said, I'm not good at this. Like, I, sh I should not be putting events on. But I loved it. I loved it. And from there, it led to the death race. The death race, which you're doing, by the way, now that we, anybody that interviews me has to do a death race. So end of June in Vermont, you're, <laughs> you laugh, but you're going to be there. I spoke to your new wife. She said she signed you up. So I feel like this was a trap for me <laughs> to be the other way around. <laughs> so, so the death race, the idea there was how do we create an event that emulates life, that emulates business? Everything that can go wrong goes wrong for an entrepreneur. Just when you land that big client, they get pulled away to a competitor. You lose great employees just when you need them. Factories burn down. Everything that can go wrong goes wrong. COVID, look at what COVID did to us or anybody in the event space or airlines or hotels. And so, so you got to have a stomach for it. And I thought, I've been doing business my whole life. Can I, can I create an event that emulates that? And that was a death race. And so like every other event, there's aid stations, you're being patted on the back. People are cheering for you to go to the finish line. Death race was the exact opposite. It was, we want to see you fail. We want you to quit. We're going to shine a mirror in your face. We're going to tell you you're not tough enough. We're going to look for those weak moments where you're going to be exposed and break you. And very few people finish it. But in that process, like why, why would you do that as a participant or as an organizer? Because in that process, you become better. You find out what you're made of. Is this part of, I believe, what you call living the hard way? The that is, that is living the hard way. You know, a lot of people ask that. If this was two or three or 500 years ago and you and I were doing this, I would say we don't need to live the hard We live the hard way every day. Life is hard. What we need are more couches, penicillin, Netflix, maybe some popcorn. That's what we need 500 years ago. But we've got such an overabundance of that soft way that we've become complacent. We're fat, we're sick, unhealthy, unmotivated, staring at phones all day. I'm sorry if you're listening to this, but it's true. Look around you. Happens in my family, happens to all of us. And so we need a little dose of hard. We need to sweat. I didn't feel like working out this morning, but I did it because I made that commitment to myself. And publicly, I constantly say that's what I do. So I force myself to put my back against the wall and actually deliver what I say. And so, yeah, we need, we, certainly the developed world, needs more hard. Do you think that's part of why events like this work? Because it gives people something to work towards? Is that easier that way? Like, I know I'm a very deadline-driven person. Do you think that's why events like this work and attract people? Yeah, I wrote an email this morning, and I, it was the most elegant I've ever been able to describe it. If you and I wanted to change the world, and we wanted to get people healthy, we couldn't just snap our fingers and say, go to the gym. People don't go to the gym. We don't. A lot of folks don't understand that. I didn't know it. Our brains are actually working against us. Our brains are wired to not do hard things. It's a threat. And for millions of years on this planet, it's kept us alive. We've got to understand that and know that the brain is saying, don't go do the workout. Don't go do the run. Don't eat the salad. You should probably have a piece of cake. The brain is telling us to do the easy things because it's less of a threat to our energy stores, less of a threat to our being. Knowing that, this morning I was writing an email and I said, you know, when you have a date on the calendar, it forces you, it forces you to do the work. It forces you to go to bed early. It forces you to put down the glass of wine, not eat the cookie, wake up early, sweat, do the workout because you know that coming date is pending just like a boxer knows the fight is coming 
and he or she doesn't want to be embarrassed. So you got to have a date on the calendar if you want to change the world. We've got to have that in our toolbox. The other thing is gyms are incredibly helpful. It's a set of tools, but you're not going to go to the gym. Tons and tons of memberships are purchased, but no one goes. If everybody showed up to the gym who owned a membership, there'd be no room for the people. That's the reason gyms work as a business. And then the third piece, so first piece is you got to have an event, date on the calendar. Second piece, you got to have the tools, which is the gym. And then the third piece, I'd say, technology does have a place. Technology allows us then to track what you're doing. Are you actually doing the things you need to do because that event is coming? I believe those, those three tactics, those three things, when put together, give us a shot of getting people healthy again. When you use that phrase there about changing the world, is that part of the reason why you launched Spartan, which I think would be fair to say is probably more of a, an inclusive event for people to go to in comparison to the death race that you were mentioning Yeah, earlier. the death race is our tip of the spear. The death race would be for, you know, if you used a military comparison, it would be the SEAL Team 6. Mm. But the reality is most of the people are in the infantry. And so our main event, is either, you know, Tough Mudder or Spartan or our trail events. We got hundreds of thousands of people in each one of those disciplines. You know, the thing that keeps me going is I want to change lives. I wish every day, every month, every quarter, we could look at our income statement and say, rather than dollars, how many lives did we change? I wish the Department of Defense in the U.S. would just, or any country, would just pay us to do that. Because, number one, there's nothing more rewarding. You know, a dollar is not nearly as rewarding as a changed life. I get people on the way to Dubai. I, I was leaving JFK. Some people stopped me in the airport, random folks I didn't know. Hey, you changed my life. Went out and did six races. I landed in Abu Dhabi. People came up to me and said, hey, you changed my life. I'm not that famous of a person. So that tells me there's a lot of people that need help changing their life. Like if it was that impactful and folks are noticing me in a random airport, people need it. That's amazing that people already come up to you and say how impactful this has been on their lives. I would like to just go back here and connect those dots again between the relationship of fitness and entrepreneurship and business. I mean, you mentioned the idea of the death race was to bring the business world into fitness. How do you see in people that you have noticed their lives have changed or they've told you their lives have changed? How has that impacted their business life and their business relationships and their own business success? Well, you're not going to be successful in your relationship at home. You're not going to be successful with your kids. You're not going to be successful at your job or your business or anything if you're not healthy. And so if we agree on that, which I think you'd agree, the healthier you are, the, the healthier you'll be in every aspect of your life. Then the question becomes, how do you get healthy? And we said it before. Unfortunately for us, unfortunately, we have to have dates on the calendar to actually do the work. The students at Oxford will not do the paper. <laughs> They will not prepare for the test if there's not a date on the calendar where it's due. Absolutely. It just doesn't work. <laughs> if we talk U.S. politics, right? Congress, the Senate, like, they can't get their stuff together unless there's a pending date and they're going to blow their budget and have to shut the country down. It's the only way it gets done. If we believe healthy is good for every aspect of our life and we know that healthy only comes unless you have a date on the calendar, get a date on the calendar. It's good for business. It's good for business. Wow. I wanted to ask you about this as well. You've said this before, which is the phrase, I can't doesn't mean anything to me. In connection to that, and given some of the things you've already said, how do you feel about the word obsession? Well, do you think obsession is a positive force? Look, I get asked the question every day for decades. 
what about balance? What about work-life balance? And I have a tough time with that because the neighborhood I grew up in, there were a lot of business people. There were a lot of wise guys and people doing bad things, but there were also a lot of hustling, hardworking families, businesses, small businesses. Those folks didn't have balance. I remember walking into a house and very common, a woman was making the sauce for pasta with an Italian neighborhood, like I said. She had a CB radio next to her because they were also running a family business of tow trucks. That's not like work-life balance. And, but the reality is the tow trucks made the sauce. <laughs> without, without the business, there was no food. So if you want to be successful at something, whatever that is, you want to be the best husband ever. You want to be the best parent, the best athlete, the best business owner. Like It requires obsession. And there is no work-life balance. I'm sorry. I call it work-life integration. Work-life balance is a myth. Do you think that's fair? If you want to be successful, I mean. It'd be great if somebody else was paying and you were a monk for a living, you can <laughs> certainly be a little more balanced. But if somebody else isn't paying and you've got to deliver results, there's no balance. Very hard to run a company with employees that all want to be balanced. It doesn't sound good, a CEO saying that, but the reality is for a business to work, everybody's got to be buzzing like bees. The beehive doesn't get built without the bees buzzing. I think it's fair to say there's been a lot more conversation recently about the importance of mental health in the workplace and how important it is for employees to build a separation between office and home life. Do you feel that that's perhaps taking it a step too far and that maybe there's more of a neutral middle ground? I think we as human beings are going to come up with statements and concepts and thoughts that make our lives easier. I think that if you want true mental health solved, if you want people to be high performers, let's start with more salad. Let's start with getting to bed early. Let's put down all the alcohol, all the coffee. Let's drink more water. Let's start there. Just spending more time working from home is not solving the problem. Again, I sound like a crazy person, but we are fat, sick, unhealthy. Like, let's solve that issue. And then we could talk about whether we should work at home, be balanced. Wow. Okay. I know we've only got a little bit of time left here. I have all day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, in which case, if we have all day, how do you see the current environment for fitness? Are people more engaged than ever before in relation to fitness? Do they see fitness as a solution in that context that you mentioned there? Look, there's a new drug that's become very popular around the world. Ozem Ozempic. Ozempic. Yep. Yeah. Very, very popular. Again, human beings, we will go to the path of least resistance. If it's a drug... I would assume you would not say that taking Ozempic is the hard way. It is not the hard way. It's the, it's the easy way. It's great that we have a solution for folks that are not going to do the work, but the reality is we need to do the work. My kids can order food with DoorDash now. It shows up miraculously at the front door. They don't even have to do any work to get that food. They don't have to find a quarter in their pocket, put in a payphone like we used to. They don't have to read a map. And now with AI, you don't have to write a paper. So... If the world and technology is bringing us to a place where we don't have to do any work, yes, we're going to have to fight that trend and sweat every day and do hard things. Now, your question, is it becoming more popular? I think, I think when that light bulb goes off like it did for me and you're questioning why you don't feel good, hopefully you, you figure out, like we're talking about here, that the solution lies in the burpee. <laughs> it lies in the cold shower. It yeah. lies in the salad. Those aren't fun things, so that, it's not obvious to folks. How do we make more of those light bulbs go off, though? Make more people realize? You have to do more interviews like this. We've got to, like, I don't think we should celebrate 
again, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll get canceled for this, but I don't think we should celebrate people being overweight and unhealthy. I don't think we should accept that as normal. The same way we, we shouldn't accept emaciated people as normal, but we should celebrate fit and we should aspire to be fit because when a fit person walks in a room or in their house or they're around their family, they're attractive. It's a fun person to be around. Anybody that works hard, they're attractive. So we've got to talk about it more. We've got to celebrate it. Keep it on the cover of magazines, <laughs> right? Don't go the other way. Let's not become a big, complacent world. The Spartan race, though, obviously has a few different tiers, right? You can do, there's like the 5K, the 10K, et cetera. You could, you could do it all. You could go run 100 miles. Again, let's go back to my mom. It's a 3,100-mile race around a one-mile loop in Queens in the heat of the summer. We used to walk the Silk Road if we had, like we could do all of this stuff. But normal now is DoorDash. Normal now is parking right in front of the store because you don't want to walk. We've got to change normal. So when you're talking about changing normal, I think that should bring us to talking about what you're doing here in the region right now. And a little bit about the work that Spartan's doing and yourself are doing here. I know that, for instance, you were in Abu Dhabi, looking at Abu Dhabi as a destination for Spartan. In addition, events are already held in Dubai. How do you see the Spartan brand in this part of the world? Is this something that you're looking to expand? Look, I love America. I love a democracy. But I'm so passionate about changing lives, all the stuff we're talking about, that the easier path for the region that might accept it more quickly is a place like this, where there's a ruler. And there's somebody that says, you know what? He's right. We've got to get people healthy. And I know that's a discussion that happens in this region. And so it's not just the race, as we said. It's a lifestyle. And if we could mandate it, and then we could show other countries, other regions around the world, look, look what Abu Dhabi did. Look what Dubai did. Look what Saudi Arabia did. Maybe the rest of the world wakes up. I mean, in, here in Dubai, we've got the Dubai Fitness Challenge. Fitness and healthy lifestyles is an intrinsic part of Saudi Arabia's vision 2030. I assume those are the kinds of programs that you're referring to. Do you wish there was more of that sort of top-down leadership in the West? It's my dream. It's my dream that whether it's this region that we just shut all hot water off and everybody takes a cold shower, there should be an alarm. Do you take a cold shower? Every day. (laughs) Every day. I've been doing it for 40 years. Before it was cool. Now in America, my dream would be that we would do the same thing. We would take the young kids and put them through hard. If every country in the world had just a one-year military program, just one year, I love what Israel does, right? A one-year, two-year program, just to level them up, just to show them what fit mental states could feel like. Because I I didn't know, again, I was pushing back on my mom. I got to Wall Street, I didn't feel good. I did all the things that everybody, that society told me to do. I was making money, I had a great job, I graduated school, I didn't feel good. So you should let everybody, every citizen should know what optimal living feels like, and then maybe they'll stick to it. Is that what keeps you motivated? Keeps me motivated is those handshakes in the airports. You changed my life. I mean, the story is, you should come to a race. Well, you've been to a couple of races, Mm -hmm. but you should come to a race with a camera and walk the course backwards. And every person you see say, tell me your story. The stories will blow your mind. I just did it. I was in New Jersey. I walked the course backwards. I started asking people, tell me your story. Everybody had a story. This one particular woman said, I was stabbed 32 times by an ex-boyfriend. Wow. She goes, this, this race keeps me alive. I met a veteran who was a firefighter, said I was depressed, I was going to kill myself. I remembered I had a race on the weekend, 
kept me alive. Thank you. The stories are like, you get chills when you hear these stories. And so, yes, that is, that is my fuel. It's continuing to try and change the world. It's a very noble your... aspiration to have. By the way, it's easy. All I do is put a little barbed wire out, a couple of flags to follow, a rope to climb, a spear to throw, and it changes your life. Do you vet all the obstacles yourself? No, no, we have a team. In the early days, I was very involved in the obstacles. But now, you don't know it. We just got into the Olympics, 2028 LA. Wow, really? This, this, yeah, I've been working on this. I just found an old video from 2012 when somebody asked me, do you think this will be an Olympic sport? And I said, yes. I didn't know how, but yes, we were going to make an Olympic sport. And we worked for 12 years, and we just found out 2028 Olympics, LA, Los Angeles. Wow, well, be, congratulations. Be, That's a huge step. That's a huge step. What's your long-term vision beyond the Olympics for the Spartan brand? Where do you see the future of the company going? Just want to change lives. Just want to figure out how to collaborate with the technology, the health and wellness technology industry, with the gyms and figure out how do we rip more people off couches? How do we get people taking more cold showers, doing more burpees, carrying around kettlebells? Crawling through barbed wire. Or walking through barbed wire. (laughs) If we're going to the Olympics, which is fantastic, congratulations. Thank you. You've already got the Spartan World Championships, right? December 8, 9, 10, I believe, here in Abu Dhabi. What's the motivation behind having a tier above? Is that just to have another goal for people to reach? Very few people actually can compete at the Olympic level. So my problem with most sports is they're heavily spectator sports. And spectators tend to drink beer, eat popcorn, and sit in stands. I'm interested in participatory sports. So I think the Olympics is good in that it'll inspire the world. But I want people participating. That's what the World Championship Abu Dhabi is about. That's what our events are about, is getting people off the couch and out doing hard things with 9,900 other people. All right, let's end this conversation talking about everyone else and how they can motivate themselves to perhaps come to one of your races. What advice would you give other than taking a cold shower in the morning? Would you give to people who want to start this journey and want to change their life and come to a Spartan race? Well, number one, I would say when this airs, when people are listening to it for one day, I'll give away free entries to anybody who wants to do the world. Wow, you heard it here first. Yeah, Free entry for anyone listening to this on day one. And the reason I would do that is I don't want any excuse. I don't want to hear, well, I didn't have the money. I didn't, nonsense. It's on me. And everybody knows around the world that I'll do that. So there should be no excuse. The race is on me. Now, how do, how do you get ready? You're sitting on the couch, you're eating popcorn, you're watching, or chocolate, or God forbid, and you're watching uh, Netflix. All you'd have to do is walk a couple of miles a day. I'll give you the most basic training regimen, right? Just walk a couple of miles a day. Do 30 of the best pull-ups you could do. They could be terrible pull-ups. They could be jump-ups. You could be, I don't have a pull-up bar. Hang from a door. But do the best you can do with 30 a day and do the best you could do with 30 burpees a day. That's it. Walk two miles, burpees, pull-ups, cold shower. You'll be ready in 30 days. How important is the cold shower? Very important. Joe, thank you very much for joining us here today. Really appreciate you joining us at AB Majlis. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode and thank you to all of our subscribers. Sign up to arabianbusiness.com for more exclusive content.